Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. The reality of life tonight is that as we live it, uh, there's a drain, a drain upon our strength. There's a man who is in my church in Raleigh named Mr. Joe. He's, uh, to me, a, a warrior. He has been diagnosed with cancer, and he has been fighting it for some time. And uh, he called me not too long ago and left a voicemail for me. And, and he said, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know that I am cancer-free. And so God has done a miracle in my friend and brother. Thank God. Oh, I'm telling you, I love hearing those reports. This man said something to me that um, he was just saying, because I was just mocking him. You know, I'm a mocker, and so we're mocking, and I was having a good time. And I don't know, this may be about 10 years back. And, and uh, you know, he's 70, I don't know, probably 76 or 7 now. And so uh, I said to him, I said, yeah, you, your problem is he was on a ladder and fell off a ladder when we were building up our building. And really, we had to call the ambulance. It was a bad scene. And so he finally gets himself together, and he's moving around a little bit better. And I said, it's about time you're moving around. You know you're getting old. Stay off ladders, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, because he, he was creeping, trying to stand up. And, and so I just looked at him and mocked, and he said, shut up, Pastor Chase. You, you just keep laying down and getting up and see what happens. And he said that just to come back at me, you know, because I'd said, you're getting old. But the reality of what he said never left me. Lay down and get up. Right. And in time, you're old. And as we lay down and get up, man, we realize, man, we don't get up as fast as we used to. Yeah, right. It's the truth, man. And in this life, man, it's we are literally fighting. We're fighting so much. We're fighting the flesh. We're fighting the world. We're fighting the demonic. We're fighting ourselves, right? Our own uh, things that are working inside that we're fighting. Uh, we are resisting, as I preached last night, we are resisting and resisting. And oftentimes, uh, we find that our strength has literally diminished. It's diminished. It's not like it used to be. Now, we schedule revivals for the sole purpose of saving the lost. Not necessarily, but, I mean, that's the goal. We, we hope um, and have invites and pass out invites and our goal. This is an opportunity friends and family and loved ones and coworkers would come and hear a gospel message uh, from a preacher that they might not ever hear ever again. But one word, one moment, one time in their life, in this season right there, they can make a decision that can change and alter their life forever. So we schedule revivals with these thoughts in, in mind. But I declare to you something that is uh, uh, resounding, especially in my own soul, 
uh, and I've realized over the last uh, almost eight years that I've been evangelizing, and that is these revivals are not just for the sinners. Oftentimes, and more times than not, it's the saints that need reviving. And I want to preach with that in mind right there as we end our revival, a sermon I want to call Revive Us, O Lord, Won't You Revive Us? Psalms 85, verse number 6, and I just want to, I want to minister tonight from this portion of Scripture. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. I pray it often. It is like ingrained into my heart, my life, my mind, so much in this one verse. I, 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 I extrapolate from it all the time. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Father, we thank you tonight, God, for your goodness. I'm asking for grace to speak your word, Father. Lord, I pray, meet us where we are, and God, administer strength like the physician to the sick man, woman, boy, or girl. Father, I pray, minister to us, God, the meds that are desperately needed to give us the nutrients and strength and vitamins in the spirit to rise up in this time, our day. God, help us, revive us. Help me to speak your word tonight. I depend upon you, Holy Spirit, please, in Jesus' name. Come on, can you say amen? Revive us. Oh, Lord, revive us. This word revive, by definition, is quicken. It is to make alive again. To make alive again. Let me talk first about revive me in your word. Psalms 119 and verse number 25, the Bible says, revive me according to your word. In the book of Ezekiel, you have the incredible story in verse or chapter 37 of the dry bones. Now, we love the story of the dry bones. We grasp the reality of this story of the dry bones, that these dry bones were dry bones that were made alive. We understand that. We know that. But I declare, these dry bones also had a life. These dry bones had a soul These dry bones at some time had movement in their life. They had movement. But at the present, the Bible says they are dry. Matter of fact, it goes deeper and says they are very dry, and they have been very dry for a long time. Come on, that's how we can get. We can get very dry, used to have life, used to have movement, used to, amen, used to, used to. But then getting up and getting down, getting up and getting down, fight, fight, fight. All of a sudden, we can get dry for a long time. Until God stirred a man in his own soul and lifted that man and set him down in that valley and asked the question, can they live. Then he said, prophesy. Speak, prophesy, 
some words to the dry and to the dead. Prophesy to them. After he allowed him to walk around, it always muses me as I take a moment and read and think about that portion of Scripture because the Bible says God lifted him and set him down in the valley and left him there. Now, we just kind of keep reading, but he is left there. What am I doing here? So what does he do? He walks around. And as he walks around, he sees what he sees. And as he's taking in everything that he saw, then God asked him the question. Can everything you see live? After he realizes it was very dry for a very long time and they're all dead, dry bones. Then God says, can life be here? And then he says, prophesy to the bones. In other words, speak a word into these dead, dry arenas. And listen to the charge he gave him to say. Verse 4 of Ezekiel chapter 37. He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I hope you can get excited about that. Hear the word. Not, we're not talking about the word of some man. We ain't talking about the word of some president. Hear the word of the Lord. And at that, there was a noise, the Bible says, that sounded like life. <laughs> How we need to hear a word from the Lord today. How we need to hear a word from God that is powerful. How I many know his word is uncontested? When God issues his word, it goes forward and does not return without accomplishing what he set it forward to accomplish. The counsel of the Lord will stand. What God has said will come to pass. And who can annul what God spoke? Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Oh, God, speak, Lord. Give me an ear that I am able to hear what you say. Your word. See, too often our minds are filled with the words from others. And we're lacking a word from the Lord. The psalmist realizes, you know what, something is wrong in our, my life, is what he, in our own life, in an arena that is desperately needing life again. And it, that arena is my personal confidence that comes by the word of God. Now, y'all hear what I'm saying? My confidence cannot come because someone told me, God, I need a word from you. I will not move to the left or I will not go for God. I need a word from you. And when we have a word that comes from God, beloved, you and I can move forward with confidence because we are not presuming something. We move forward with confidence because you said it. 
They shouted to the walls and they came down, not because it sounded good, because he said shout, they shouted, God did what God did. Psalms 119.25. Revive me according to your word. Make me alive again by your word. Let your word again become the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Do you remember that? When you heard the word of God and man, it just was, it was like um, something sweet uh, going down and you heard it. uh, And man, thank you, God. Let me again hear your word and be glad in my deepest being. Do you remember that? When you heard God's word and it moved you deeply. The Bible said that when Jesus was speaking, the common people heard him gladly. When I was here as a pastor for some time, you might remember I had to feed the church, but at the same time, Tony had to dig the feed himself, and I wrote a whole sermon off that one scripture, and I can probably preach it with no notes right now because it moved me so deeply when I read that the common people heard him gladly. That means people like you and I were leaning in to what Jesus said and they were so excited on what they were hearing that came from him. God, can we have that again? Because the gospel is good news. And see, folks, we know that, but we don't even act like we recognize that any longer. It's good news. And the Bible says it was spoken to them that sat in darkness. Don't you remember when we loved to hear the word of God? Amazing how many people find ways not to come to a revival service. Well, you know, this or well, because of that or what. I don't care. Everything can get shoved to the side. But when we have what I'm speaking, God, something has died that we now will allow every other thing to entertain our mind and heart and not entertain your word. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I remember we couldn't wait for our pastor to stand up and preach. Come on, do you remember that? We couldn't wait. We had pads and papers and pens. We were excited to know when, man, what did he do? Whoa, every revival, every, remember we would trip. Do you remember? Four hours and 15 minutes we would drive to Havelock for every one of their revivals. Do you remember that? We'd be wrestling to try and get from Norfolk to Virginia Beach, get out of our uniform, get in our clothes, throw our kids on the floorboard. I know it's illegal, but we were desperate, and we would drive all the way down. You know why? Because that was the closest church to us. They had a revival. We were there. We were there so late all the time, every revival. One of the brothers always said, man, y'all always come late, and I coined the phrase. So we ain't late unless we miss the altar call. Man, where is that? Can't drive 10 minutes down the road. Well, you know, it's rough, man. 
Gotta be kidding me. I'm no different than anyone else. I had more responsibilities. Amazing. But see, life, even the abundant life that has been promised us. Okay, let me wait for him to move because all you guys are starting to pay attention. Okay. God bless you. I know it's not your fault. You had a message, but everyone wants to know what the message was, so they're paying attention to you. See how quickly we can divert from life, man. With all of its troubles and all of its responsibilities can cause us to more times than not miss the thunderings of our Ezekiel's prophesying over our dry bones. You hear what I'm saying? The word that God would give your pastor to yell from the pulpit and speak to the arenas of your life that are dry because um, all the troubles and situations of life, we can just opt out and not even hear a word that would speak water to dry areas. And we can just sit there and in our minds be totally detached from that word that gives life. Psalms 119.25. Revive means make me alive again. Quicken life according to your word. Let me again be filled with the wonder as they were when they heard Jesus speak. So they, they, they were amazed. He spoke with authority. Remember when we were so awestruck by the word and how it moved us so deeply. At some point, beloved, we can become pharisaical. We now know more than we knew then. And now his word doesn't move us like it used to. It don't move us like we used to. Folks, I'm preaching from my life. Psalms 119.25. Revive me according to your word. Let your word again be the lamp and light to my feet and light to my path, right? Let your word again be that which I long to read every morning. Let your word again be the bread that is for me every day. Psalms 119, 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Treasure of the word of God, the wealth of his wisdom written for us, his word. Psalms 119, verse 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. 133, direct my steps by your word. 140, your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. 160, the entirety of your word is truth. Trusted, proven, tried, and tested your word. Jesus said, them that hear and do. These are men and women who build their house upon a solid rock. These are them that build their life on something solid. Do you remember that? 
When we were hearing the word of God and it moved us so deeply that, man, it shifted things that we were doing in our lives began to get built on something solid. Do you remember this? That we weren't just hearers only and amening, but somewhere what we amen, we realize has to become true in my life. And it moved us deeply. Yes. I agree, and all of a sudden we are shifting things. Why? Because your word says so. Revive. Quicken, make alive. Revive me in your unfailing, ever-powerful, light-providing truth of your word. Secondly, revive me in your way. Psalms 119 and verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Jesus, he said the eye is the lens to the soul. That the desire of hell is to capture your attention tonight. I spoke on this the other other day to capture your attention. And what he does is he dangles in our view what he feels will cause our attention to become divided. Let me make a statement. Divided attention leads to divided loyalties. You hear what I'm saying? And this is what he's after. God spoke to me years ago. I was angry. I was frustrated. Things that were happening, things that were being said, all the assaults and everything else. And I'm frustrated. I'm driving in my car. And the Holy Spirit interrupted my own train of thoughts. And you know what he said? He said, you always drive your car in the direction you are facing. Now, I know that might not seem really profound, but I was driving my car and I was angry. And what God was saying is the direction you're facing is the direction your car is going. In essence, he's saying if you stay angry over all of this, you're going to drive your life into a ditch. And he was dealing with me. He was rebuking me for being angry over something I just need to let go. And in doing this, he is, he is correcting my direction, the way I am driving my life. Because the reality is that we are going to drive our life in the direction that we are facing. That's why Lot ended up in Sodom. Because the Bible says he pitched his tent facing that direction. And you always get in the direction you are facing. So that being said, what are you facing today? Your career? Your family? Are you facing securities? Now, these are not evil. But these can cause us to miss the grander picture of life. And the devil knows how powerful your eye is. It's hard to believe people who work in the medical profession do not believe in God. Hard to process that. Just the eye has more power within just the eye than any Mac computer your pastor can formulate. Just the eye. 
Here, grab this. Hey, Mark, Marquise, Marquise, right? Yeah, here, catch that. All right. You know, just in that moment, me throwing that at him. He had to process exactly what it was. If it was something to get or move out of the way, oh, I can catch It's just a water bottle. And in his mind, immediately, he knew it was plastic, it was just water, and he can process everything, all, even if it drops, it's not going to harm me. Bam, just that quick. Ain't no computer in the world can compute that that fast. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's that fast that, that his mind, his eye is able to see what I just threw and compute pow, 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 without your cooperation. It just happens. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to make a statement to you. One look at something and your mind processes everything without your personal involvement. It's natural. God has made us this way. Immediately, you can process color. You can process shape. Your taste can get involved. It begins to tantalize internal desires. It can begin to arouse curiosity all with one look. Joshua 7, 21, when I saw... Among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment, two hundreds of shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver underneath it. We know this is Achan. But what I'm trying to say is he simply said, I saw, I saw the Babylonian garment, the silver and the gold. And all of the sudden... Even though mentally I knew better, I was overtaken. I was consumed by this demon spirit of covetousness. One glance. And the hook was set. Poof. Second Samuel 11 and verse 2. Then it happened one day, evening, David arose from his bed, walked on his roof of the king's house, and from his roof he saw a woman bathing who was very beautiful to behold. I saw the woman bathing. You can't unsee the woman bathing. You saw, and all of the sudden things on the inside took hold of a man that was after God's own heart bypasses reason then all of a sudden he is driven by internal desires that took over every single faculty until we know what this man did adultery murder cover up see proverbs 4 verse 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established do not turn to the right or to the left remove your foot from evil what we're talking about is a path that we are set upon by looking Psalmist said, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Because my 
me doing this, I am placing my feet upon a path that is not where I want to be in the end. There is a way that seems right to man. The Bible says we say it feels so good. It seems so right. But in the end, we don't want what it offers. It all starts with looking. Driving our life down a path that our eyes are looking on. Matthew 5, 28, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Already done it. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Revive me in your way. John 14, verse number 6, we know this very well. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. Listen to what I'm saying. Revive me right here, O God. Every one of us, come on. Revive me right here. Revive me in who you are, who you are, in your ways. And your paths turn my eyes, he says, from worthless things, but turn my eyes back toward you, the way, the truth, and the life, the way that leads to life, the straight path that leads to the Father. Lord, my eyes have been turned away, but turn my eyes back toward you, away from worthless things. Second Chronicles, everyone knows. Uh, bear with me, um, 714. Um, if my people um, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, listen, turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to respond with hearing from heaven. I'm going to forgive their sin and heal their land. Proverbs 3 and verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Oh God, revive me in your way. Make me alive yet again in your way. Let me close with revive me to your righteousness. Psalms 119, verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. That means your rightness. Your justice. 119, 142, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. You know what, folks, we can have it impressed upon us, the unfairness of this life. It's, it's rampant. I can break off right now and just tell you, you'll have a hard time Understanding the times if you're just listening to the news on your TV screen, on your little Facebook, or even Google. 
They censor what you know. So they only give you what they want you to know. To find stuff out, you got to go out of the U.S. Y'all, I hope you hear what I'm saying. And go through U.K. and go through Australian news articles. Because anything here, they censor it and they won't let it come through. Unfair. And these very people are protected. Unfair. So we see this and something in us gets so frustrated. You can begin to look through the lens of life and see the broken cisterns of this world that can't seem to hold any truth at all. The broken systems that are flawed. Can I just deviate for a moment? It doesn't matter, I'm going to. They boasted in Georgia they're going to flood 900,000 mail-in ballots already. They've already mailed them out. The system's already known to be corrupt, but they're going to do it anyway. And who's going to say anything? Nobody is saying nothing. That is unfair. I hope you all hear what I'm saying. Not like you can do anything up here. What I'm saying is the corruption of men and women in powerful places and positions. The failures of of those politicians and people and their selfish agendas. We can observe all of this and decry, man, what is up, man? Why is it so unfair? You talk to me. How can Hillary Clinton get away with everything they know and it's been proven? How can she get away with it? You ain't supposed to be saying that. So I'll say what I want to say from the pulpit. How? And somewhere in us thinking people, we say this isn't right. It's not fair. Then we come to the word of God and somewhere we can state what he says in Psalm 73, verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. I have cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. He's like, what's up? That we can get to the place where we say, I have labored, I have sacrificed, I have surrendered, and look, it's still bad. How many have been hurt? How many marriages have been hurt and destroyed? How many children have turned away even though we raised them in the house of God? How many churches have had splits even though we try our best to live right, but we're not perfect? And then they can't seem to reconcile. Poof, half the church is gone. How many friends have turned and betrayed confidences? David, he said, it was you, my dearest friend. My closest ally, my confidant, Jesus. He said, do you betray me with a kiss? Hello, somebody. A young man called me about four or five months ago, and he's broken. And he stated these words to me. He said, I have given and I have given. I have forgiven and I have forgiven. And he did. 
And he said, it got me nothing but hardship, backbiting, incredible challenge. And then he said, you know what, Pastor? I quit. And he did. That's sad because you're not going to get any better from the world. It's not like people are different. And like I told someone, I told my daughter when she was having a hard time with some teenagers in the church, I said, listen, if you're thinking about going out there, at least in here, it's preached on out there. It's encouraged. Malachi chapter three. Here's what they said in verse 14. It is useless to serve God. What profit is it that I have kept his ordinance? Folks, we can end up right there. Now, we won't come out and say it brashes them, but we can end up right there. That there is something desperately in us that can die and needs to be quickened and made alive. Revive me in your righteousness. I want you to listen to me. The injustices with man do not reveal any injustice with God. God is good. No matter what befalls us here and now, there is a hereafter where he makes the books right. Never lose sight of this truth. Listen to me. This is not our home. Do you remember that? Do you remember when we learned them songs that said, One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Holla, you can have every car payment, mortgage payment. Ah, talk to me, somebody. One glad morning. Do you remember we're pilgrims passing through? It's going to be over. Jonathan Edwards said, stamp eternity upon my eyes. And somewhere we realize that we, that what the Lord did for you and I, was eternal. His righteousness is rooted in the blood that he spilled for the unrighteous. That he was all right. You with me? He was perfect in all. He was moral. Yet you and I were filled with sin. Yet he took our punishment. Is that fair? He took our shame. Is that right? He carried yours in my cross. Is this right? No, we deserve. But when we forget that, we begin to lose sight of our bearings. And we demand no different than the children of Israel. The Bible says three months after coming out of a miraculous deliverance from Egypt, three months, they didn't get a glass of water when they wanted it. In three months, they're ready to stone Moses and curse God. We begin to lose our bearing and demand that God prove himself today all over again. You know, God spoke to me personally that all of my today's issues can never erase what he did for me on that day. All of the issues and troubles and struggles All the stuff that we go, nothing can happen today that can ever undo what he did for me then. Nothing. My son-in-law was visiting us 
He moved, he, he since moved down to Chandler. He was in from uh, uh, Las Vegas. And in that time, I was probably on our second month without work, if you would. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at home and he's there. He's eat, we're eating together and I'm out in my garage working. And, and he comes out and he sits down and, and we're just chatting and laughing and, and talking. And then he says, uh, out of the blue, he just looked at me and says, I don't get it, Dad. And I said, what? And he says, uh, you haven't worked in like two months. How are you guys living? I just looked at him, and, and he says, and I don't even, you know, you're not even bothered. It don't even seem like it's, you're upset or anything. And we're, I'm just kind of, and you know, I, I'm disappointed. I take it to God, you know. You know hey, come on, God, kill this virus. I got to get back to work. But I don't wear it on my shoulders. So as we're sitting out there, you know, and, and we're chatting, and he just, and, 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 you know, it dawns on me, man, he has never seen this. But I lived it. Out of the military, thrust into the ministry, and all of a sudden, I've got four kids and no income. For almost two years. I didn't have time to sit worrying, man. We got to keep things rolling. And so, you know, I said with him, I said, you know, what I've learned through all of the challenges and difficulties of our life is, you know what? You can take everything away, but you can't take you away. I look at him, he just look at me. His father's non-existent in his life, you know? I said, so to me, you're my son. You're just like your blood. You married my daughter, but you're like my son. I said, you know what? No trouble can remove the fact that you married my daughter and you're my son, and I love you. And he just looked at me, and I said, no trouble can remove the fact that I've got my daughter, my wife, my kids, my salvation. Ain't no trouble in the world can remove the most important things in my life away from me. So why would I walk around showing I'm all ticked off? You get what I'm saying? Do you, do you, nothing from yesterday, no, nothing can be changed by a current crisis. God did a miracle. And man, I look at my kids and see miracles. I look at my wife and myself, I'm impossible that we're married, but man, we're working on 30 years. What is up? Ain't no trouble in tomorrow can ever undo what God has done. Nothing, nothing ever, ever. Can you say amen? Nothing. Doesn't matter what we go through. Revive me in your righteousness. Cause my heart to recall it was the guiltless for the guilty. That you loved me when I was unlovable. That you sought me when I was not searching for you. That when I was without strength and ungodly, it's not just a scripture to be put in the memory. It is an application in my life. You died for the ungodly. That was me. You did it. He is perfect in all of, of his ways. He is altogether lovely. Can you say amen? He is righteous in all of his ways. He is a good God. And his righteousness is rooted in who he is. Do y'all want to know who he is? Jeremiah 23 and verse 6 says, Now this is his name by which he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. That means Jehovah Sid you. The Lord our righteousness. God, revive me. Make me again alive to the wonderful truth 
that when all seems to be south and people seem to be south and everything seems to be south, God, you are still true north. Hello, somebody. You are the Lord and you never change. You are righteous and you will always be. Your word is pure and true. You will never do evil. The old song we sing, your righteousness is high. Who is like our God? See, our text says, will you not revive us again? And when that happens, you as an individual, then the second part, that your people may rejoice in you. Make me alive again, God. Make me see you for who you are. Cause me to be awakened to the glory and the wonder of your work. Psalms 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Revive us again. Revive us again. This means that we need the rush of God's powerful life Again, inside of you and I to stimulate our person, our being, our spirit. God, revive, quicken life. Breathe upon me yet again that we may rejoice in you. That we may, I said last night, hit them drums. You're hitting them a little harder tonight. But I'm telling you, when you do, it amplifies everything. Everyone else wants to clap more. Everyone else wants to sing more. Come on enthusiasm and excitement is contagious. You get excited, people get excited. You don't get excited, how can you cause others to be? Well, I'm just so excited for the Lord. Serious? God, help me. Revive me that I would rejoice. That my mind, even though everything else in life might not be, my mind remembers you and all of your word and all of your righteousness and all of your trust and all the wonder of your love for me. I can recall. And God caused me to yet again rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. When was the last time you just did that right there? Oh, and he said, let's all just praise God. No, no, no. I'm not talking about your little soft, you know, golf clap. I'm talking about when you were just, man, overwhelmed. When you just thought I was on my way to hell, but God, you rescued me. God, my mind was a mess, but you redeemed it. My marriage was broken, but you rescued it. God, I was bound in drugs, but you delivered me. God, I was on my way to prison, but God, you interrupted my life. The shackles that had me bound, you took them off. The chains, God, you broke them. You set this captive free. When was the last time you just considered that and said, God, I rejoice in you? What I'm talking about is something that needs to happen in us if we want it to happen out there. This is revival. It's an atmosphere that's created by the people of God that remember what God has done and rejoice in it. That we are again turned to the position of gratitude to a God that we love and who loves us so deeply that we say to the Lord every time we enter in, oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And when we come in, it's like party central. We're so overjoyed. We're so filled with excitement. We're not sitting here, well, I just can't wait for him to hurry up. Hurry up, preacher. I'm hungry. They're going to close the stores. I can care less. God, please help us, oh God. Revive us. 
You know what I want us to do? I want us to stand up right where we're at. Is anyone not saved? Come on, be honest right now. Is anyone not saved? Don't even bow your head. Are you not right with God right now? Anyone at all? If you died right now, are you going to heaven? Is everyone in here going to heaven? Don't lie. If you're not right, let me pray for you. Anybody at all? Come on, slip your hand up in the air. That's me. I'm not right. I want to get my heart right. God bless you, my brother. Anyone else? Come on, come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I want you to look at me. You sincere with God, my bro. Yeah? I want you to come here. Come here, come here, come here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I want everyone in this church to say this prayer with me. I want everyone up in here to say this prayer with me. I want everyone to say it out loud. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, come on. I'm asking you, Father, right now to forgive me. I have sinned. I've done wrong. I've sinned against God, against people, against myself. But I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. You died on the cross. You rose the third day. I'm asking right now, live in me. Change me. Break every curse. Set me free, and I will live for you to the best of my ability from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.